You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about spiritualism, we talk about art, we talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, mediocrity, and meritocracy. We do sometimes talk about sexual assault, suicidal ideation, trauma, and whatnot. Yeah, we go there. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self Worst. Welcome to episode 100 of self Worst. I'm Brad Pearson We did it we made it. I made a hundred episodes of a thing. That means I'm worth something. That means I'm not a waste of space. I did it. I did it. Look at me, mom. I made a thing. Your little boy made a thing and did a, did a special thing. I'm a good boy. I did it. Uh, we are talking this week to uh, number guest number one of the show, Monica Coleslaw. She was on episode one all those years ago. And I thought it'd be a nice little symmetry thing to bring her back. Because, you know, we've uh, we've all been through some shit. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, she's going to get into all of that. And, uh, you know, just a, just sort of an update. Like that, was that series? The 7-Up series? Where they get back to people every few years? It hasn't been seven years. It's been four. Which, by the way, happy birthday to this podcast. Uh, the first episode dropped on, what was it, September 18th? 2017 so look at that years racking up years racking up episodes we're into the triple digits now this is all very exciting i'm excited um right up top patreon.com slash self worst help me out uh you know i'm still i'm still poor had all that money all that pandemic money and that shit has vanished with the move and everything, so we're kind of back to uh, hand to mouth in it, is what it is. What are you gonna do? We didn't get flooded. I think I told you all of that already. Uh, apartments coming together. Finally got some artwork, artwork up on the walls. We're getting there, folks. Housewarming party is gonna happen. You're all invited. Everybody listening from all around the world. Come one, come all. All of you. So, anyway, I think that's all I wanted to talk about before we go to the show. Uh, so let's go to the episode. Welcome back, mm-hmm. and, uh, you yeah, know, sorry hello. about the time snafu. I'm still oh, that's uh, okay. 100 episodes in, and I'm still fucking up. I'm still <laughs> a, d- a dumb idiot, so like, right. that's no, been our, our yeah. progress. You were our first guest, 
and mm-hmm. uh, maybe you'll be our last. Who knows? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even. I don't have an episode planned we'll for next see. week. Who knows? I might just yeah. like drop this episode and walk into the ocean. We'll see. Um, it's right there. It's, it is literally right there. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, we've there's been a lot going on. <laughs> a lot of feel like mm-hmm. a couple of things have happened since we uh, yeah. since we talked last. Um, yeah, because I was like. 2017 uh yeah 2017 around this time of year mm-hmm. too so it's we're coming up on an anniversary we're coming up on a milestone mm-hmm. it's all coming together so yeah I, I thought I, i'd bring it back full circle and, and and have you back on the show how have you been yes um like since 2017 <laughs> uh we could start there do you want do you want to work backward or you want to work forward no i don't know i mean like i've been <laughs> fine i have not contracted coronavirus that's good um i live in st paul now Mm -hmm. um i have a corporate job uh got really into gaming Mm -hmm. um and i learned like 10 new crafts and i quit drinking okay that's a couple of 2017 so yeah you you moved productive uh, you moved to St. Paul um, mm-hmm. kind of after the the riots and all of that stuff was happening. That was like right on your fucking doorstep. Yeah, um, we much. yeah we were a little bit too in the middle of it, um, yeah. and like we were living in Uptown Minneapolis, um, mm-hmm. like behind like Eat Street Social Ice House over there. And uh, when we first moved in, we had like a guy who lived down the hall tried to shoot his girlfriend with an assault rifle. And then he locked himself in his bathroom and was like threatening to kill himself. Um, And like the police evacuated us, evacuated everyone in the building and like um, thought that our apartment was where he lived because the layout of the building was really weird. Um, So they like evacuated everyone nicely and then us like really aggressively and we were like locked out um, for like four hours without like shoes or keys or anything um, while the cops like ordered pizza and like <laughs> like ordered in like a sniper and like a negotiator for like this one guy. They ordered um, a pizza, so I was, like, they ordered all- a sniper. Mm-hmm. I was like already pretty on edge. Um, and then during the uprising, like Pimento was like very active um, in terms of like helping the community. Um, but a guy like kind of like not kind of. He opened fire on Pimento. What's Pimento? Um, we ended up like, um, it's like a Jamaican restaurant on Nicolet. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I don't know. I we didn't definitely didn't have it as bad as like other places in Minneapolis. But my PTSD got really bad. Yeah. Um, from like the gun thing, two years before. Um, so yeah, we we had to get out of there. And also because I don't drink anymore, there's no reason to live in uptown because right. <laughs> like uh yeah yeah had to stretch of bars and yeah stuff. i mean yeah when all mm-hmm. of that was going on um you know you and ollie were two of the first people i was thinking of because like i was looking at you know i was here but i was looking at all of the uh footage and all the videos and stuff and it was just like that is down the street you know and yeah. it was just like it, it was getting so murky uh creepy on twitter like what was really happening with like mm-hmm. unmarked police cars and weird militia yeah. dudes hanging out and I, like and when like ollie was like 
putting up security lights and like doing like a patrol. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's gonna like he's gonna die. <laughs> so I'm just like somebody's gotta shoot yeah. him. Like, what the fuck is gonna yes. happen? Like one of those fucking exactly. like crazy rednecks is gonna just like bust out with a gun and shoot him. Like this is bad. Yeah, that's, this is really bad. That's what I was scared of. And they were like, um people were like putting water in dumpsters and stuff because um like a lot of like white supremacists were like trying to set dumpsters on fire. Yeah, there were incendiary. Like, this is the thing that they weren't like. This is the thing that just sort of got brushed under the rug. <laughs> it feels yeah, like no, it was, like that there were like bombs and shit. There were incendiary devices all over Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, yeah. There was uh, we were like on our back steps and like these guys drove by in like a hand painted camouflage pickup truck. And they like slowed down and like looked at us all. And I was like, we have to go. Like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with it. And like yeah. our, the the owner of our building was like super pissed off that we were like patrolling our neighborhood and like a fair amount of people were. Um, and he like yelled at some of our neighbors for like um, putting a car fire out because someone had like set fire to a car and he was like really mad at them because they used the, fire extinguishers from inside the building <laughs> hey those aren't free yeah. that wasn't in the building that's none of my concern i don't care about fires outside of my building <laughs> yeah fucking landlords um, dude yeah but we lived on 26 and it was like a one way uh going like north i think um and like at night like cops would drive the wrong way down 26 um and sit in like the back of like jeeps and stuff with like rifles and shit so it like got to the point where we like got rid of our couch um and moved our bed into the living room because like our bedroom was surrounded by windows um and i was scared of like catching a stray bullet in the middle of the night so we moved to saint paul i just (laughs) like i had to get out it was just like yeah i couldn't handle it anymore fair i don't know (laughs) that that was uh, some historically crazy shit that was going down Mm -hmm. um yeah during that time exactly um yeah yeah, i don't know and that in the pandemic you picked one hell of a time Mm -hmm. to stop drinking i know i was only like i don't know i would have been maybe like nine months into it definitely not a year yeah um but yeah it was like yeah not good. What was I like that? started drinking like three or four Diet Coke today because <laughs> I don't know because I also quit smoking. So like, yeah, I don't know. Sucks. What was that like? I mean, uh, talk me through. I mean, I guess the the initial impulse to stop drinking um, and then, mm-hmm. um, you know, when shit started hitting the fan, I feel like that was you know, just I sort of through osmosis, I could tell that a lot of people who were sober were really struggling with their sobriety mm-hmm. during that. Yeah. Um, because obviously, like, I mean, <laughs> obviously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, start start at the beginning, um, you know, because sure. I, I, I've known you for a long time. And, you know, when you made the mm-hmm. announcement that you were uh, going sober, I didn't, I was not aware that you had a a drinking problem and, and mm-hmm. yeah you know, nobody was <laughs> uh yeah i was basically like a secret alcoholic for like 10 years probably um uh just like once i graduated college like i lived in like a really disgusting punk house and like uh just had a lot of shit happen at once and i would get like a six pack of pbr and like a fifth of jim beam and like drink it all in like one night or like 
a bottle of wine from like Trader Joe's, like that kind of shit. And I like wasn't like eating normal and I like didn't have insurance and I like got a little bit better for a while. And then once I started playing in bands, um, it was like a way to like cope with like being in crowds. And again, this is like before I was on any kind of like medication whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so I would like drink to get through shows and it used to be like, I would have like a set thing of like having two mixed drinks and one beer every time I went out. Um, and then I developed like really bad sciatica in like 2016, I think. Um, and I walked with like a cane for a little bit. Um, and I was in like pretty much like constant pain. Um, and like, I started drinking super heavily, um, just getting like boxes of wine and like boxes of wine. Like you obviously don't see the levels on them at all. <laughs> so right. it's like, Oh, I'm going to like, they should have like, they should like have like a little window on them <laughs> or, or like a little you know, window. A little, a little yeah. It's like, I mean, like I was easily drinking like a bottle and a half of wine. Like every time right. I bought a box, like in one sitting, um, the and little, like the also little guy on the Franzia box would just start getting like redder and sweatier as you go on the yeah exactly or they I would drink these ones that were like themed after mobsters oh god <laughs> I, I was like oh I'm gonna get the Capone tonight and it was like so stupid and then I would like try to justify it like oh I'm gonna like learn more about wine or like I'm gonna only drink like top shelf liquor I'm gonna and, be like, a sommelier with Franzia and Carlo Rossi. yeah exactly well I never did drink Franzia which I'll give myself that okay. but like <laughs> uh but it was just like I don't know and like so much shit is like surrounded around drinking and like yeah in especially the midwest in, especially, especially yeah, in the midwest and yeah. music stuff yeah exactly um so it's just kind of like a given when you enter a situation and it's like when you get together with someone, it's not like, oh, let's go for a walk. It's like, let's go get drinks. And like, that's always like the option. Mm -hmm. um, and then I like kind of got to the point where like I was like hungover every single day for like two or three years, probably. Um, but still like hiding it pretty severely because I was still productive um, and like I was a functioning alcoholic. And, like, there's so much gross, like, alcohol culture that's, like, specifically targeted, like, towards women where it's, like, you know, like, wine time or, like, mommy juice, like, oh, yeah. all of that yeah. type of all shit. That, so all it's, of like... chuggy shit of, like, wine o'clock, <laughs> that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just felt like being drunk after work was, like, part of, like... Part of having a job. Being... Yeah, exactly. And, like, also, like, because I'm from, like, a rural area, like... You know, people go to the bar after work and, like, having been in service for so long, like, very alcohol centralized and, like, yeah, I don't know. I was, like, going to, like, I would, like, walk home from work and, like, stop and have, like, two drinks somewhere and then, like, call someone when I got home to see if they want to go to, like, a happy hour. Um, I went to Lyle's before my first, like... Or before my therapy consultation, and I had six gin and tonics because I didn't want to go to therapy because it's two for ones there, you know. So I had like three rounds in like forty five minutes. I mean, that'll and, make you pretty honest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was just like, I don't know, I was like really good at hiding it, yeah. and like, I don't know. And then I went to a like a nineties dance party with like a friend of mine, and when it was, was like, when was this? This would have been July. Of 2019. Okay. Um, and I got so drunk that I thought that I had been drugged. 
Um, and I came home and I like couldn't stand and I was like throwing up really hard. And like, I was to the point where I was like throwing up every single, every single time I drank. Um, and then I would throw up and like drink more. Um, but that night I threw up super hard. I like remember like telling Ali, I was like, I think I was drugged. He was like, no, you're just really drunk. And I was like, this sucks. And I was like, really like ashamed and just like embarrassed that I had like gotten so bad um just like partially in that evening but also just like overall um and I hit my head on the edge of like the sink or the bathtub and I like cracked my head hard enough that it was bleeding and then I fell asleep on the bathroom floor and then I woke up and I was like I have to stop drinking right now so I stopped and then for like the first month every time I felt the need to drink I would like like, I didn't go to, like, AA or, like, yeah. treatment, any of that, because I just, like, didn't have, like, the resources, really, because it's, like, expensive, and I couldn't take time off of work, that kind of shit. Um, so what I did is I um, picked the scab on my head every time I wanted to drink for, like, a month and a half. Um, so essentially, I, like, thinking back, I now see it as, like, basically, like, low-level, like, self-harm to, like, prevent myself from drinking. Um but yeah, I like decided I would stop that night and then just never started again. Um, mm. That was like over two years ago now. And that was so. that. Mm. Wow. Yep. And like I grew up with an alcoholic around me. Um, so I would always like gauge myself against him and I would be like, oh, I don't have a problem because I'm not like screaming at children mm. or I like don't have a problem because I'm not like crying all the time and then like I would compare my rock bottom to his and like obviously it's not the same for everyone um and mine was this, like this was your dad uh it was my uncle uncle yeah um so I like kind of used him as a gauge and then I realized that like that was like stupid to be doing um but yeah I just like stopped and like never started again um just because I was like I tried to be like really vocal about it throughout the whole process just because then I knew that I would feel like more like accountable um and I would definitely not be able to like live with like the shame of relapsing mm -hmm. um and I also wouldn't be able to like answer myself on it I think so I just like never started again and like COVID was like obviously terrible um yeah. And like, I also wasn't smoking. So I was like, I mean, I'm still like last night I had a dream that I like asked someone to like buy me like two Manhattans and then like got really drunk and like spilled one down my arm. And I, in the dream, I was like lying about how I wasn't drunk and like woke up feeling like absolutely humiliated. And it's like, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> if you drink in your but dreams, would, it doesn't count. It's okay. Yeah, exactly. I still like wake up with like the humiliation. Yeah. But then like I think like okay, well now I know that I absolutely will not be able to handle it um in my waking life. Isn't it so amazing? I just like Isn't it amazing how shame sort of did both things for you in a way? Like shame mm -hmm. was what caused you to conceal it yeah. and maybe drove you to drink more in the first place and then mm -hmm. shame is now what is keeping you back out of it. Yeah, I think it's like, it's like partially that and just like, 
I don't know. Like, I don't think that I'm like by any means like God's gift to the earth. But I also think that like I have skills that were being wasted pretty severely. Well, no pun intended, but like wasted like while I was drinking. Um, and I just don't think it's fair to like myself or like the people around me to uh, be regressing into that kind of behavior. And it's also like once you're in your 30s, like you feel a hangover for like three days. And yeah. I just like <laughs> like physically sustain it because like with my back problems and everything, like my joints and everything are all fucked up. So like when I threw up, like I would feel it for like three days afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's just not worth it. And it's like so expensive too. So That's, there's also that. I mean, you were, it so seemed I'm like you now. were kind of, you were not only self medicating with it as sort of a, like a psychiatric thing, but also like physically, mm-hmm. it was numbing physical pain. Yeah, exactly. And like I couldn't like calm down without it. And like also because I was a really heavy smoker, like that was like my ideal situation was like having like a drink and a cigarette. Sure. And then like, after I quit, like, I don't know, like after I quit drinking, it felt like being in mourning for like the most like reliable friend that I had. So I was like wildly fucking depressed, like to the point where I was like waking up in the middle of the night, like sobbing. Cause it's like, for me personally, it did really feel like grieving a loss of someone. Um, But I don't know whatever i have a costco membership now so we just keep like <laughs> 50 cans of seltzer on hand all the time <laughs> or like uh yeah exactly <laughs> um or i'll like go to like like the other day i had a really bad day and like i went to sleep and i or like before i went to sleep i was like i'm gonna get up early tomorrow and spend like 30 dollars on like weird drinks at the expensive grocery store before i go to work and like that's what i do now or like at the beginning i was like going to trader joe's and like buying like weird shit just to like keep on hand and like i also buy myself like a fair amount of like presents every time i hit like a certain like marker of time just because like i think that's the only way i'm maintaining at this point but you have it sounds like you have like a dopamine deficiency and that you need that throughout the day um melissa broder has described it as she gives herself little dog treats just to like mm-hmm. get through the day um, yeah which like I I mean I do that too like if I'm just like if I get through this next hour then I'm gonna go like mm-hmm. buy myself a, a soda or I'm gonna buy myself yeah. a beef patty or I'm gonna I'm gonna do some, something nice for myself you know mm-hmm. just to like get through the most average Wednesday you know but yeah. like it, I mean exactly. if it works it works and like yeah. it sounds like I mean <laughs> I've heard people say this a lot when it comes to uh, giving something up, uh, any type of substance, uh, that it is like a grieving, it's like a death. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think too commonly the narrative is that uh, when people stop, they all of a sudden realize like, oh yeah, alcohol bad, get away from me. And like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's evil and it was terrible and it was ruining my life. And, and like, that's not really how most people feel about it when they quit because they were Mm-mm. drinking so much because they fucking liked yeah. it. And exactly. so like, then to give it up is like, that's breaking up with somebody who you still really love, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot more difficult yeah. than I think the common narrative likes to make yeah it like absolutely is and like i miss it all the time Mm. and like over covid like i had this like 
like this fancy hand sanitizer and then like we had like a bottle like purell in the car and like i already had like the sandalwood stuff on my hand and then i like used the purell and the smell of them together like smelled exactly like tequila yeah and i what was is like that? there's a hand sanitizer <laughs> that smells like tequila i don't know what it is if just is it the agave that they put in the fucking like the I, moisturizer yeah or it's just the straight alcohol yeah. but like i would like put it on and then just have to like wave my hands out to my sides because I couldn't have it like that close to my face. Um, And it was just like, I don't know. It's been an extremely long year and a half. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Sucks. You talked a little bit about um, how you're not doing 12 steps and you, you mentioned this on your podcast, uh, which I also, I want to talk about your podcast uh, at some point. Um, but, uh, how you, you know, you just, you, you're not doing the, the 12 step thing, the AA thing. Um, Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit, can you expand on that a little bit? Um, yeah, I didn't want to be, um, getting sober on, I guess like anyone else's terms. Um, and I also didn't want to talk to anyone about it, like in like a group situation. So like, I have a few friends who like, are sober and like I would get in touch with them about things um but like I didn't want to like replace alcohol with another dependency um and like AA can get like pretty religious um and like our old landlord was an AA guy and I just like I don't know I wanted to take left a bad (laughs) the fire extinguisher guy that guy um, no, our landlord in the, we rented a house for six years. Oh, the other bad um, landlord. Mm-hmm. You yeah. See, and when you mention a like... shitty landlord, that doesn't narrow it down too much. <laughs> I know. And like, he would have like a meetings, like on the back porch and like, he like prayed a ton, but Ugh. he was also like a fucking asshole. So like, I didn't really want to like, I wanted to just do it by myself. Um, so I like, I read that quit like a woman book, which was like fine because it like kind of like enforced my belief that like AA is like good for some people and then not good for others. Um, And like she did shit like hot yoga and like talked a lot about Jesus. So like whatever. But like it did like like I said, like enforce my belief that it was just like not for everyone. But I think it's like such a good blanket solution. Uh, But I just like wasn't interested um just based on like experiences i've had with people who like won't take accountability for themselves um who are also in AA, and so it's probably just based on like personal experiences that i've had but i just like wanted to do it like by myself um and i approached it from like a very like clinical standpoint where i would like read about like what alcohol does to your body like physically and like the property that alcohol shares with things like gasoline or like shit like that. Um, just because like I knew that I wanted to quit and I didn't feel that I had to like discuss it with anyone. Um, and I just like, didn't want to have to like rely on anybody else. Um, when I stopped. So I just like, I just didn't go. I like maybe read like a couple like blog articles here and there, but overall I just like decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And then I stopped and, it was fine. So did anybody know, uh, 
you know, did you ever let the veil slip when you were drinking that there was that there was an issue? Did did Ali know? Did anybody um, have an idea? I think Ali did know, and I would like bullshit him a lot, um, and kind of just try to like pass it off. Um, but I don't think anyone else knew. My sister thought I did, but it was like more just because like she's been looking for an excuse to like. Um, think I'm a piece of shit for like 25 years at this point. <laughs> so she was like, yeah, I drunk. And like, obviously I wasn't going to listen to her. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think like Ali know, Ali knew, but like a lot of the friends I had at the time were like drinking friends. Right. So it's like, they wouldn't have known anyway because they were drunk too. So yeah, not really. I hit it like extremely well. And like, I was never like, a mean drunk or like a sloppy drunk i would just get like really like friendly and like a lot of times like people couldn't tell that i was drunk until they like saw like one of my eyes point in a different direction or something or like i would like slur or something but right. like otherwise i hit it like extremely well because i just like didn't uh want to deal with it for a very long time so yeah. how did um your friends your your drinking buddies uh react did you have to cut them out for a while or permanently or did were um, like, cool let's then just get some coffee or whatever i think like the majority of people were like super supportive um like the first person i told was my friend brett and we would go to the bulldog and like have drinks and like eat like chicken strip baskets and like the week after i quit i like asked him to hang out there and i was like i quit drinking because i have like a massive problem and like he was totally fine about it. And, like, I think that was also, like, probably almost harder. No, definitely not harder. Never mind. But definitely, like, on par with quitting was, like, seeing the people who just kind of, like, slowly, like, pieced out over the course of that first year. Like, once, like, everything shut down, it was different. But, like, there was, like, there's one person who I don't speak to anymore who, like, came up to me and she was, like, how's not drinking going? And like, that's the kind of shit that pisses me off. Cause it's like, it was a very, like it was killing me. <laughs> so right. you wouldn't say like, Oh, how's not doing like heroin? You know, it's just like, you don't, people are just so casual about alcohol yeah. here that it's like so frustrating. And like, I like was talking to her about it and it was like really, it felt inappropriate to begin with, but then she like stopped mid sentence to take a shot from someone like past my head like she like reached past my head to like grab a shot and i was like okay fuck you then like Gosh. i'm good <laughs> um but yeah like a lot of shit like that but i think it comes with like the territory um just because like most of my friends were like artists and musicians and stuff and a lot i think like chemical dependency is like very rampant right. in music um yeah but it's like also like romanticized really heavily well um, and half, so the, I think, half the places you play as a small time band or bars you know so like you yeah, have to exactly pretty much be okay with going into bars exactly and, you know i mean with the chronic pain thing one thing that like popped into my head was uh kurt cobain it's like a mm -hmm. thing that's missing from the narrative of that whole story was that he had chronic pain and yeah like you know obviously he had a lot of other issues going on that led him to use heroin, but I don't think that that helped, you know, no, he was constantly in pain without it. Like, yeah, know, and he finally maybe totally. found something that, that works. So, 
you know, yeah. it, it's, there's, I don't know. It's, it's rough. Yeah. I mean, like with the combination of all those factors, like with chronic pain, like definitely makes you feel like you're essentially being like held prisoner by like your like nerves basically, because like there are times when like I couldn't like do anything or like also like bringing a cane to my 30th birthday party like sucked and because like my leg would collapse did, did people and, think like, that you were like making a joke about like oh i'm so old now or everybody knew at that point okay. which was good <laughs> so nobody thought I was nobody joking. thought you were being cute. um, um no have you managed to get the sciatica under control uh yeah it's mostly control i did like a couple of rounds of steroids mm. um and there's like special like stretches and shit to do and i quit working in half price books so right obviously like lifting like 90 pound boxes of recycling was like not doing me any favors sure. um so yeah it's like mostly under control i'll definitely have like flare-ups but it's not like praying for death level of pain anymore which is good that's good i'm really proud mm -hmm. of you i'm really happy for you that you, that you managed to Thanks. stop doing that um yeah. Let's talk about your podcast because you've, you, sure. uh, when did you start that? Um, pre, pre sobriety, mm. pre, like, what? Was yeah. That, 20, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely around then. Uh, yeah. When you listen, I was like listening to a couple earlier episodes and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. that's another thing. I would get drunk like every single episode and it's just like, okay, dumb. But yeah, 2018. 2018. And, and uh, tell, yeah. tell us about, tell us about the show. Um, I, uh, run a podcast called Demon Daddies, um, and it is just about horror movies. Um, initially it was, like, really rooted in, like, film theory, um, but then it became more of, like, just us, like, picking a theme and then, like, watching two movies, um, or, like, we watch a ton of shit anyway, so it'd be, like, oh, let's, like, look back on, like, what we watched for the last, like, six weeks and, like, pull some themes, um, and we would have like the occasional guest um it's, it's been on like a really like extremely long hiatus yeah. <laughs> i think i've done like two episodes in the last like year um but like the first um live performance i did sober was like a live podcast which was like super horrifying so i just had to like talk for 45 minutes how did that um, feel what was that um it was really scary but it was like shoes. really easy <laughs> um the first thing i did when i got there was give my dream tickets away because i was like this is like slippery territory sure um but our friend skylar had booked it and like he's been like really supportive of the show like since it started um and yeah it was just a show and like we talked about like christmas horror movies for a little bit and i had like made a zine to like accompany it um so i think having like a visual guide helped me calm down but it was also like I don't know. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be because like really I just like talking about movies. So it was like really easy to do. Um, and the audience was like super engaged. So it was like not that bad. It was not that bad. It probably wasn't any different than playing like a regular like music show. It's just that I like wasn't drunk. Right. Um, but being able to do it sober was like, I think like a good boost of confidence that I needed. Um, because I think with like quitting anything, it's like, okay, like, did me being drunk? Is that the reason why I could do this? Or like, it's kind of like the same reason why, like, I initially didn't want to go on any kind of medication because I thought that like, the reason I was like creative was because I was like mentally ill, which is like, 
that's a very, obviously not the case. Yeah, that's a, that's a very <laughs> common thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, luckily I gave didn't uh, gave up on believing that, and now I'm on a ton of medication, <laughs> sure. and I can still make shit. So I don't know, but yeah, it was good. Um, so you're. How should I put this? A very anxious person. Can I say that? Is that a? Is that mm-hmm. a, you? Have, you have a lot of anxiety. That's one of your main. Yes. One of your main pals is anxiety. True. Um, and so it seems almost like on paper counterintuitive that you would be so into horror movies, which are, you know, just about mm-hmm. extrapolating on what could possibly go wrong or be terrible and horrible, right. right? So, um, but. I think it's actually fairly common for people with a lot of anxieties to be into either true crime or mm-hmm. uh, horror or anything like that. Um, so uh, can you can you talk a little bit about that? I always think it's a, a interesting thing. Yeah, um, it is fairly common among people with like anxiety or like a lot of trauma. And I think it's because it's easier to process what's happening in a movie than it is process like what's going on in your life or like it's easier for me to understand like why you know like somebody would like stick someone's face in a bread slicer in a movie like in comparison to like why someone close to me would like talk to me like I'm stupid (laughs) like it's just like I don't know for some reason it's like very calming um and it's like also just like fun to be scared over something you know is like going to end as opposed to like scared of everything else. Right. Um, Cause I also have like pretty intense OCD. So I have like pretty wild, like intrusive thoughts all the time. And it's like, they're like unending, um, but I can like watch a movie and it's like, there's like, you know, 40 minutes left. And after 40 minutes, I don't think about it again, <laughs> as opposed right. to like just living in like constant stress. So like weirdly it is like, it's almost like getting that energy out um, and like knowing that there's like an end point to it um, mm. in comparison to like living with everything in my head that will like most likely just like never stop. Um, and just like growing up really scared in like several instances of like my childhood. Um, I watched a bunch when I was a kid too. Um, and I think it's because like I could like, watch something scary and be like, oh, that person's scary because he's a monster, but like my uncle is scary and I don't know why. <laughs> and it's right. like, it just makes things like easier to comprehend and just kind of brings like a little bit of like a balance to like everything else, I think. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you mentioned on our first interview uh, that you, right off the bat, like the first consultation you had with the therapist, they were like, oh, you have PTSD. Um, and you were like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And you just sort of walked yeah. away out of that mm-hmm. um, situation. Um, but we didn't really talk about like what that was about. I was wondering if, mm-hmm. you know, in however many details you want to go into what you might have discovered that's that's about and if you've been processing that and and uh, what that's led to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just like grew up with like two very like verbally abusive adults um who like kind of like they're responsible for watching us but then like never really did um so i pretty much like raised my little sister um and i've been like digitizing home videos recently and it's just like 
okay, nobody noticed that I was like stressed out all the time. And I was like four. Um, so it was definitely like always like walking on eggshells, um, just like around my own house. Um, and we lived in like really weird places. Uh, like I was born in California and one of my earliest memories is like finding or like finding a like a dead girl in our orchard there was like an orchard behind our house and like it was this woman who like I later learned her boyfriend had like beat her up and like thrown her out of the car um but I found her when I was like extremely young or like my dad was like a very bad guy and like he sent his like friends over to like essentially like kidnap us like he like tried to kidnap my sister and I um, and my mom like ran out of the house and like hit the car with like a garden hoe. And like, that was all when I was like younger than four. Right. Um, and then like we moved to Idaho and like everybody was like super insane and like Mormon and like very creepy. And like, I was still like very protective of my little sister. So like there was one time I had like the neighbor, um, she slapped my sister and I like, shoved her into this like pipe outside of our house and I like held her by her ankles and like we were very like unattended um but I was just like nervous all the time um but then yeah like my uncle was a huge drunk and my grandma was just like a psycho um so I think it just like a lot of it got like very deeply embedded and then just like never went away um because like even like one of my coworkers is like this like older guy who will come in and like talk really loud and it's like not a big deal in practice, but like when I hear it, it makes me think of like being yelled at by my uncle and I'll get like physically sick and like shaky and like shit like that. And it's yeah. like, I think like dealing with PTSD is a lot like watching a horror movie in the sense that it's like, it can scare you, but it can't like physically hurt you right. anymore. Um, but I mean, it's still, I don't know. I feel like I got over like the family stuff a little bit. And then like the whole like last like two years happened. (laughs) And now I'm back to like, like 4th of July, I was like jumping in every firework and ended up taking melatonin like as early as I could because I just like couldn't handle it. Um, But yeah, it's just like growing up around like just really gross people. Um, Like there was like one time where like my family and I uh, and my sister when we were living in Idaho, we drove to Minnesota to look at houses because um, my grandpa lived in Wisconsin and he was like dying. So we like decided to move closer to him, but not like near him. So we like moved to Minnesota and like we had went to like look at houses and when we came back. My uncle was like fucking wasted and like listening to George Thorogood and watching Ace Ventura with the sound off. And now like I fucking hate jim carrey like i would physically fight jim carrey <laughs> based on that memory and like there's been times where but how like, do you feel I'll about hear, george like, thurgood i hate him okay. i'll like hear him in a so store and i'll just get bone, so angry it's like unreal but like yeah it's nuts because like he also like we had like a five disc changer when i was a kid and he like punched the stereo and there were like the same like five cds locked in there for like most of my childhood and, like, one of them was, like, Automatic for the People. And then it was, like, Graceland and Enya and San Francisco Days by Chris Isaac. 
and it took me so long like now i like love graceland and yeah. like i can listen to san francisco days like i was gonna non-stop. say none of those are like rage <laughs> records those are not like i was gonna it was like it yeah. was like black flag in there or something no no nope. it was Enya. just middle class family with a radio <laughs> yeah. but it was like the same five and george Thurgood, and it was like the five same five cds and like hearing all that music for like the longest time just made me think of like my uncle being drunk and like trying to like hide from him and like just couldn't do it. But now I have Graceland in like every format. So it's fine. (laughs) That I grew up listening to that album and I have much more Mm -hmm. pleasant memories associated with it. Yeah. That's good. Uh, You know, my my parents are big Paul Simon fans. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't, I haven't actually listened to it in a long time because I think I, I might get too, uh, uh, emotional. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, no, afraid, I'm afraid of the other side of like tender emotions <laughs> that, that might come up if I if I listen to it. Like I went back yeah. recently and tried to watch The Lamb Before Time because I noticed it was streaming, and I got about mm-hmm. two minutes in and started crying. And was yeah, like, I'm turning this off. I can't. I can't do yeah. it because it's like the first yep. movie I remember watching, and it's mm-hmm. really. I mean, it's that's a fucking syrupy movie. That is like yeah. the music and like the, uh, the, his mom like calling him Littlefoot and like oh god I yeah. Can't, I, I'm gonna no. start, I'm, I'm gonna get emotional talking about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't. Uh, it is rough. So um, I've noticed a, a, a big thing that's uh, been like a big anxiety hurdle for you lately has been uh, driving. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Can you can you talk a little bit about that about your journey with 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 learning how to um, you know, just get in a car and drive on the highway? Well, I okay. So I've had I got my permit in high school and I took behind the wheel. And it was fine, but I had, I mean, it wasn't fine. It sucked, but like, um, my mom gave me like 0.2 minutes of a driving lesson once. And like the last time we went to my hometown, I showed Ali like how far we drove and it was like literally half a block. And she screamed, you're going to kill us, get out of the car. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to fucking kill somebody if I drive. So I'm just like not going to. And that so was like, it. Didn't... She just like put that idea into your head and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. And then I like thought about it every time I was in a car and I was like, okay, this is like too scary. But then I like had to get my permit to go on tour. Um, cause, and I like drove through like the Idaho panhandle and I was fine. But I like never drove in the city just because it was like, like if it was like a thing where like, only I was driving in the whole town, like I would be fine. Sure. But like just seeing how other people act and like knowing other people's like rage issues is just like, it was too scary. And I also have like a very poor sense of direction. So I like didn't get my license until like last October uh, when we moved to St. Paul because like the, I didn't want to ride the bus because mm-hmm. of COVID and I didn't want to take like an hour and a half long bus ride twice a day. Um, so I was driving all the way through St. Paul and Minneapolis. So I was taking like Marshall to Lake and then to downtown over by like the farmer's market. Um, and then our car overheated one day when we were like going to target and like there was some fan thing broken and like we had, I had to drive it for one more day before I took it in. So I like had to drive on the highway and I could only drive it about like 10 to 15 minutes before it overheated. Um, And it was, like, chemical smoke, like, pouring out of the hood because it was, like, something with the coolant. Um, So I had to take the highway, and, like, I was watching the temperature gauge, and I had, like, all the windows down and, like, the heat blasting to, like, pull heat away from the engine. 
And I was like shaking so hard. And like, I was like so nervous that my like teeth were chattering (laughs) and like, it was so fucking scary. And then the gas gauge went on and I was like, I think I'm going to die. Like, I think I'm going to like just have a heart attack and like be dead. Um, But I didn't and I made it home and it was fine. And now I take the highway twice a day and it's definitely like drastically reduced my like overall quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody is driving like so insane and like so many yeah. people have told me that so many people have said like this is the worst time to start driving because it's I don't like know what it is crazy. I was gonna say I was just in the Twin Cities a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and I remember I swear to God like I've, I've corroborated this with other people who are like Minnesota natives mm-hmm. who are just like used to be honestly Minnesota drivers were real nice and like not aggressive and not shitty and now like I just like I was driving around there last time and I was just like this is some like New Jersey shit this is like New Jersey Mm -hmm. turnpike like fucking full-on maniac behind the wheel things happening in front of me right I can't believe it it's so so scary and like for the first like couple months that I was highway driving I would like come home and I would like lock myself in our bedroom and just like cry for like 10 minutes because it felt like every time I turned into like our alley it was like I just cheated death basically um and then like we had a car issue a few weeks ago and like I took a lift to work and I saw like a fatal car accident like right after it happened like on 94 which I take to work Mm -hmm. um and it was just like extremely fucked up and then I was like I was like, I think I'm back to being scared of driving because, no. <laughs> like, I saw, like, the inside of a man's body, like, on the outside and, Oof. like, the state patrol person was, like, trying to, like, give him CPR but, like, visibly didn't want to because he was very dead already and it was right. just, like, it was not good. Uh, but it's also, like, I'm not driving, like, 100 miles an hour because I just, like, go exactly the speed limit because I'm too scared. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that I actually, actually I'm surprised that I haven't just quit my job because I have to drive there. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I really fucking hate driving. <laughs> have you ever been in a wreck? But no, no, I have not. Ali's a really good driver. Uh, my mom has like anxiety levels that are like pretty much equivalent to mine, so she's a really good driver. Um, and then like I'm like extremely cautious. Um, and a friend of mine told me about like these like points that like city bus drivers use in regard to safety. So like, I'm always looking like half a mile ahead of me and like at all my mirrors. And I also think that like OCD has like actually been like relatively, I don't want to say helpful cause it's still very tiring, but it definitely like helps me be an attentive driver i think right. <laughs> like having like I could see that. all kinds of shit to monitor at once um yeah so yeah i've definitely had a couple close calls in the last like couple months um but other than that i'm just like very careful and i don't honk at anyone because i don't want to like get shot right um there's also been like crazy ra- uh, road rage here lately and like I don't want to deal with all this shit and like learn how to drive and then get like shot in the face because like someone like cuts me off. <laughs> so right. I just like, I listen to Limp Biscuit while I drive now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, like very like soothing to me. Um, yeah. So it's fine. And our car doesn't have air conditioning. So it's like, I can't really like 
expend the energy anyway because it's like so hot in there so yeah whatever it's fine i mean i I, if i do say so myself i am a i'm a good driver and a good cyclist and i think a lot of that i do attribute to having adhd because my brain Mm -hmm. is just scanning all over the place at all times yeah and so i'm just i'm very hyper aware of my like bubble, just like 360 mm-hmm. degrees around me. Yeah. Um, and I think it just, it just, it does help, you know, yeah. like nothing sneaks up on me. I've never been snuck no, up on me. Exactly. Nobody's ever come out of nowhere. Like I see him a block away. So, yeah, precisely. Um, yep. I don't know. So you just got a, uh, comedy residency. I wanted to hear a little bit more about this. Yeah. I, um, weirdly was awarded a spot on, uh, they chose like four people and it's like this uh, organization in town um, called the Spit Take Series. Um, and they offered a residency. It's like, it's pretty much just online. Um, but it's like, it was $2,500 to post updates about a project um, that expands on like your past work. Um and I applied and won, which was crazy because, like, I've been to, like, most of their shows because um, they brought they brought Sarah Squirm here. Oh, she was Jamie Loftus. Yeah. Um, and then I saw River Ramirez do a spit take show. And then they brought Johnny Pemberton once. Mm-hmm. Um and they're also bringing um, Jacqueline Novak in November. Oh, she's and I had bought tickets for her like one minute after they went on sale. So to win it was like kind of wild because I also like am not really a comedian. I'm just kind of like a person who like does stuff. Right. <laughs> so you're, like, you're comedy. I'd say you're like somewhat comedy adjacent. You're you're very yeah. funny. So like your Twitter's Thanks. funny and stuff. Thanks. So. Yeah, it's weird. Um but yeah, so I'll be doing like five like mini documentaries, so, like documentary shorts over the winter. Um, and then that will lead to um, <sighs> all things considered, um, ideally like a live show in the spring. Okay. Um, and it's a show called Juniper, um, which is the main ingredient in gin, which ah. was my, <laughs> my like favorite thing. Um, and every documentary is going to feature like various like identities I've tried to shift to. Um, Cause I had like a punk phase and I had like a phase where I thought I was going to be like, you know, like a fucking shoegaze master, like shit like that. Um, I had my filmmaker phase, obviously that cost me <laughs> thousands right. and thousands of dollars. See episode um, one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but stuff like that. And then it'll like uh, basically lead to how like, the only thing I was like really comfortable doing and the only thing I ever felt I was good at was being a massive drunk. Um, and then like the show will be like a multimedia presentation. Um, I've found, um, I'm like digitizing home videos that make it like really apparent that I've kind of just been this way forever. Um, and like, there's just a multitude of warning signs and like everything I've watched so far. Um, and just like, I have like a lot of like, ephemera um that'll be good in like basically a presentation um and then 
if I have enough time, I want to make a comic as well that'll be passed out like a program um, or like in place of a program at the live show. Um, but that, I don't know. Now that I'm like getting into the work, it seems like a little bit ambitious, but it also yeah. like depends on like how like uh, hard the winter is, I guess. Because I think if it's like normal Minnesota winter, like I can for sure get it done because I'm not going to be leaving my house ever. Right. Um, yeah, no, Minnesota winters yeah. aren't anything to fuck with. That is a... Uh, no, absolutely not. You, I mean, if you... And I hope you do have this by now, but if you establish an equilibrium with it, if you accept that, like, going outside is just, like, like total recall, like, it's not an option, mm-hmm. your eyeballs will get sucked out of your head, like, yeah. it's... Uh, then you can accept it and try and just sort of roll with it and be productive. Um, mm-hmm. But that's really hard to do. And when I lived there, like I had a hard time doing it because I mean, seasonal depression was like really yeah. whooping my ass so much of the time. And mm-hmm. It was like, dark at 4 PM. And like, I just couldn't, Yeah, I, I, like, exactly. I couldn't, it, it would just, it was just, just totally pummeling me. But yeah. if you can do it, then you can do it. Like, you know, but it's, yeah, it's, it's I think I have like probably enough shit to do. And like, I also read like, the left-handed darkness a couple of years ago and like the last winter that we lived in the apartment like I was still like walking to the bus and it was like always like super icy and like I got a concussion one year and like I'm like so terrified of falling also because like my back being the way that it is mm-hmm. um but I read left-handed darkness which like takes place in this like winter landscape like ice world situation and I would, like, walk to the bus and just think that I was, like, in <laughs> left-handed darkness, like a fucking crazy yeah, person. Um, but it helped a lot. Um, and I think, like, I don't know. Like, last winter was really hard. But, like, now that I've, like, been out into the world a little bit and things are getting bad again, I'm fine with, like, being inside all winter. Because, like, I came and I saw and I'm, like, good for, <laughs> for right. like, a good long while. You're like, oh, right. So, I, I remembered why I don't really like going around people anyway. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, but. Yeah. I, productivity, especially in the last, you know, two years, year and a half, uh, has been a big hot point for a lot of creative people, especially, like, independently creative people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if there is no deadline no taskmaster no nothing for you to do like for me Mm -hmm. i actually counterintuitively function better with a pretty tight schedule um Mm -hmm. and if i have big voids of space where i don't really have a thing um then i like for a minute i ride high on that and i'm like yeah cool i'll just vibe Mm -hmm. for a minute and then like within like I shit you not hours of just like having like a free day then like I'm just like depressed because yeah like, I, I exactly I get into my head or like I I just get uncomfortable with the idea of not doing anything and it's not yeah so yeah no I agree I like definitely need to like sever the mental tie I have between like my productivity and my worth because mm-hmm. like I just like cannot rest like I on Saturday nights, we'll like check my work email so I can gauge how stressed out I should be on Sunday. And then on Sunday at like 1 p.m., I get really depressed about having to go to work on Monday. Yeah. Or like I'll like play like a video game for three or four hours and I'll be like, well, you stupid piece of shit could have done like 10 other things in that right. time. And like, 
I don't know. I like bought this. Um, there's this printmaker here, um, Rare Press, that I really like. And like she uh, put out like a, a notepad that's like a list of like things you've done. And it's actually like very helpful um, because like it's just like things I did or like things I've done. And like it's basically like, the opposite of to do list, but it's been like very. <sighs> Like, kind of, like, a thing to, like, bring into practice everywhere I am. Um, uh-huh. So, like, I'll keep, like, a list in my phone. So, like, when I do rest, it's, like, I can count taking that time to, like, recharge as, like, a thing I have done. And it's kind of just, like, a mindset thing. Um, but it's something I've been, like, really trying hard to work on. Because um, I think that's why I'm, like, always tired. Um, is because when I do have a day off, I feel guilty for having a day off. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. But. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, that's one of the main themes of this podcast is uh, <laughs> that, honestly, you know, we're just sort of advanced apes, and we're put mm-hmm. on Earth to just sort of vibe and exist and yeah. procreate. And yet, through the order of our civilization, we have to feel like we're hustling and producing and going up and up and up this ladder forever. Mm-hmm. Or otherwise we're a piece of shit and like yeah. it's just internalized capitalism internalized hustle shit and it's 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 really taken a huge toll on my mental health uh which is mm-hmm. a reason i've had to you know think about it a lot um yeah do you want to uh keep doing uh your podcast demon daddies yeah, I'm actually, I just bought a uh, my gaming laptop because it can run um, all the Adobe stuff. Um, and then I also bought uh, like a recorder. Um, so I'll be able to like, I got it so I can like mix in the field when I do interviews um, for my documentaries. Um, but it's also because like now I'll be able to run Demon Daddy's independent of Ollie like he'll still be involved but like he was like editing everything but I want to like reteach myself like pro tools and all that Mm -hmm. shit um because it's like stuff that I still know loosely but not well since I've been out of school yeah um but yeah I've like uh on my lunch breaks like for the last like two weeks I've been like drafting episodes um and I want to like record out like four or five at a time um because I feel like if it becomes like a weekly like if it it's if it starts to feel like work, I don't really want to do it mm-hmm. um, because like I do enjoy making it, but like I just can't think that like anything I do is like my like ticket out, which is I think where like our generation like runs into like a lot of issues with our like self worth and everything. Um, just it's like a thing I like to do, and like it's never. Like, I still have to be working my job that I hate. <laughs> and, right. like, I just want it to be fun. So I think if I, like, stockpile some and then just, like, release some in, like, seasons instead, it won't be as stressful. And then I can, like, allow myself that time to, like, get them to, like, where I want them to be. Um, and then just be able to, like, work for six weeks on something else. Um, so it is coming back. Because um, I've been, like, reading a lot and, like, watching a ton of shit for almost two years at this point. So... That's great. Soon. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm excited. It'll be good. I've like missed doing it, but like, I don't know. 
was just too much. The last. I get it, man. Like I, I, yeah. I mean, I've been doing this show for four years, and I'm only on mm-hmm. episode 100. Which, I mean, I beat myself up about that. I catch myself beating myself up about that in my head all the time because I'm like, you should really be around the 200, 300 or or more mark by now because, Mm -hmm. you know, you you think you do like 50 a a year, something like that. Like you should be, yeah, you should be doing more. Um, And it's, again, it's just me thinking to myself that I should be doing more of this thing that no one's asking me to fucking do, you know? Well, that's the thing is like, I feel like so many people expect themselves to be so like industrious where it's like, then it stops being fun, you know? And it's like, realistically, there's so many podcasts that the people who can live off of it is like an extremely small percentage. So everybody else, it's like, who cares? Like, just do it. And like, I don't know. I don't know. It just like sucks. I feel like fun was like robbed from us. <laughs> yeah. Like just because like we're all fucking broke and we all work jobs that we hate. Yeah. And like we and just our want jobs, our jobs drain us of yeah mental exactly. energy fortitude that we have to go do the things we want to fucking do. Exactly. Like, so when you do make something, you want something to come from it usually financially because you don't want to go back to work yeah. and like i don't know patreon.com slash self-worst if you want to help me out <laughs> um will is a dollar a month to get bonus content uh, so just, just just yeah putting that in there for yeah you know. it's just like so stressful yeah but whatever it's fine as long as we don't die of coronavirus I think we'll we'll probably die of global warming. Yeah, I think I think that's more likely, or like a nuclear war or something like that. Yeah, like a combination of the two, like the superpowers get into a a war mm -hmm. over resources due to climate change, and then the missiles fly, and then it's all over. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just finished uh, Parable of the Sower. Have you ever read that? Oh yeah. No, I have a copy, but I still haven't read it. Read it. It's fucking okay. awesome. It's so good. Uh, I couldn't put yeah. it down. Like I, and I'm rarely like this with books. It's sometimes like I have to kind of push myself to keep on mm-hmm. it, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's like it's yeah. not only uh, it's not only a uh, like really good social commentary, and you know says a lot about society, man. Um, mm-hmm. But it uh, it it's just a page turner. It's just a yeah. just a fucking just good book. Just, just yeah. interesting and yeah. Fun. yeah, it's great. I I believe yeah. it. Yeah, I definitely have a copy. Do you read um like physical books? No, I do audiobooks mostly. Um, oh, that's sure. just how I absorb books mm-hmm. and you know, and I had to take a long time to kind of get over the uh, I guess there is sort of like a stigma of like, oh, you, it's not a real book. If, if it's like a book on tape, that's, you know, it's how Philistines mm-hmm. read books. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. This is how my brain processes information. Yeah. I can't read sure. a book. I can I can ingest an entire audio book in like a day and understand mm-hmm. it and like really get something out of it. Uh, but if I try and force myself to read that same book, then it's just never going to happen. So, yeah. like, which do you want? Do you want to, like, mm-hmm. be the guy who's actually read this shit and, and can actually, like, talk to you about books? Or do you want me to be, 
like the guy who's like just got a bunch of books on his shelves he's never fucking yeah open for sure so. yeah i like uh do you use that libby app i do it's fucking do you have great. It? yeah yeah i that's what i use and i always have like i'm always reading like five or six books at a time because mm-hmm. i definitely do have some like on address like attention issues um so like i'll just like flip between five or six books in like three weeks and then like mm-hmm. somehow like read them all um but it's like i get bored so fast that like i kind of just had to like give into the fact that it's easier for me to read stuff on my phone and i still have a lot of like physical books and i still buy them and read them but it's like i don't know like i can read it on my work computer at my on my lunch and like yeah, I, I mean everything's I, like so I, easy for to me, get it's either it's either a book physical book which i can do if i really force myself to or mm-hmm. audiobook which is like 90 percent, and it's like pretty yeah that, that's really good for me uh mm-hmm. but reading on like a screen like a, I can't even read like a fucking article on a screen most of the time I'm yeah just, like, i just feel like i can stare at twitter for mm-hmm. like three hours straight but i can't concentrate yeah. on one article <laughs> Yeah. No, yeah. I don't know why I can. I think it's because it came from like having to wait for the bus all the time, I think. Mm. I remember I read Handmaid's Tale just during like waiting for the bus. And like people are were like less apt to talk to me because it looked like I was doing something important. Right. Um, and now I just like do it all the time. But it's like good. I'm glad that I can because like I like wait around so much and like I can just read. It's doesn't great. It, doesn't it drain your battery? Mm-mm. No. No. Hmm. Sorry. I don't know. I mean, I figured but. it would just because the screen, but I don't know. I have oh, no idea. No, I don't know. Doesn't. Monica Coleslaw, thank you so much yes. for coming back on the show. This was great. No um, problem. How can yeah. people find you and your work and all the things you're uh, doing and going to be doing? Um, I have a Twitter. Let me look up and see what it is. I'm not. <laughs> big is it still twitter person yeah it's at viva colsa um that's probably the thing i update the most mm-hmm. um and then to uh i would follow that to keep an eye out for like residency updates um but then also um the organization i'm working with is called spit take series and i think they're just spit take series on like twitter and facebook and instagram um, and they'll be cross-posting everything, um, as well as posting uh, updates from all the other people who are awarded. Um, and everyone else on is really good. Um, one of our, uh, our, one of my favorite local comedians, um, this guy named uh, Devon Bland, and he also won. Um, he did that song, um, I think it was just called Fuck Bob Kroll. That was like really big last year. Bob Crawl was like the, I think like the police chief. Oh, okay. I don't know. I think he was police chief or like head of the, I don't know, just like a shitty guy. Right. <laughs> Proved himself to be a real fuckhead last year. Um, but yeah, Devon had like a song going around that was very good. Um, so yeah, he's on it too. And I'm super excited to see what he makes. Um, and there's like someone from Los Angeles. And then a dance troupe, I think. Yeah. I've never seen them, but I'm sure it's great. Um, so, yeah. Spit Take Series. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much and congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, thanks.
Thank you once again to Monica Coleslaw for coming back on the show, helping us get to 100. Hell yeah, we did it. We did it together. Now you got to go back and listen to all the other episodes. Start over. Start over at episode one, like when you beat Mario. And you're like, what do I do now? I only have one video game, and it's Mario 3. Start over. Do it again. It's a Sisyphean task. But, as Albert Camus says, we must assume that Sisyphus is happy. I finally read that fucking book. It was kind of boring, I'm not going to lie. The Myth of Sisyphus. That one was a little bit of a slog. I read The Plague. I really liked that. And you'd think it would hit a little too close to home right now. But honestly, it, the thing that he got wrong, Albert Camus got wrong about the plague, was uh, that there's not enough stupid people in that book, as it turns out. Living through an actual pandemic, you know, I think the thing that he left out was just, just all the dummies. All the dumb, dumb, dumb dumb fucking dumb people there's just not enough of them in a book especially for like an absurdist you'd think that he would really lean into that but he kind of he kind of skipped that part I don't know anyway the plague was okay myth of Sisyphus eh. the stranger yeah it's alright it's nice and short I'm reading a lot these days and I feel real proud of myself for it can you tell I just I finished Parable of the Sower as I just told Monica. Great book. Really engrossing. Can't stop thinking about it. Gonna read the sequel. Uh, I'll let you know how that is. I don't know. Like you give a shit. Um, follow me at Bradical Pearson on Instagram and Twitter. Follow the show at Selfworst on Instagram. Patreon.com slash selfworst. I'll say it again. Repetition is key. Kick in as little as a dollar a month, and you get bonus episodes. Maybe I'll uh, do, I'll read read a little bit from the plague. Just uh, do some copyright infringement on the Patreon. I don't care. He's dead. Albert Camus dead. Octavia Butler's dead. I can read their stuff. Who cares? They they both have more money and accolades than me. I can. Who cares? All right. I'm going to get out of here. There's a mosquito in here. There's some fucking guy revving his engine outside. I hope that's not picking up. We're vibing. We're in September now. My birthday month. Having a good one. Hope you're having a good one. I love you. I kiss you on the mouth. I die for you. I'm Brad Pearson. Till next time. Go out and fail. It's good for you.